Let's read Psalms 101 to 5. Let's listen to this, okay? We know this scripture. We know it well. Today we're going to live it, and today we're going to live it well, okay? It says this. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Can we do that? Can we make a joyful noise? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. And then it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with what? Come into his presence with singing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to come into his presence this morning with singing. Singing. Did you hear me? Singing. Let's read the rest of it. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with what? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Did we hear that? This is the call to us today, to make a joyful noise, to lift up our praise, to lift up our adoration. That's what we do when we come in here. We adore him because he is good, amen? That's what we're going to do. Can I give a mini message? You guys okay? Mini message? I was in Montreal this week at a conference, and uh, Mark's actually in Saskatoon. He's doing a training there as well. And the speaker actually talked about something the first day we were there. And I think it's relevant before we go back into worship. And he was talking about when the disciples were fishing on the sea, and they weren't having a lot of luck. Do you remember that story, right? They weren't having a lot of luck, but they were professional fishermen, right? Got to think about that. All professional fishermen. And then this individual has some ideas for them of how they can fish a little bit better, right? And this individual begins to share with them, maybe you should go to that area and cast your nets on the other side. Can you imagine what they're thinking at that time? I have fished my whole life. I have just come back in, and this guy is telling me how to do my job. But these guys make the decision, we're gonna go and do it. We're gonna go out to this area, we're gonna drop our nets, and we're gonna see what happens. And we all know the story, right? They drop their nets, and there's fish so many fish right that is one person is pulling up the fish it's not enough because they need more people to pull up the fish there's so many fish in that boat so many fish we could call this networking in two ways right Caleb come here this is where Darcy come here Vernon come here David come here Face, this, face these guys. You know, don't do anything the first time, all right? Here's the deal as we go back into worship, okay? When he was pulling up those fish by himself, that wasn't networking, right? Now you guys help me out. 
Let's pull those fish up. Come on, pull those fish up. Pull them up. You see what's happening? This is literally networking. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something with me as we go back into worship. You see, in order to do this the right way, we need all of you right now to start helping us, which means start pulling on the nets. Come on. Start pulling on the nets. Start pulling on the nets. Start pulling on the nets. And we are gonna go and we are gonna do this together. This is what the church does. We do it together. So let's worship him together. Amen. Let's go. You know, this is my wife. Let me tell you something, man. We are a church that believes all women have a voice. They need to be heard. Right? You know, there's still churches that women don't preach up front. We're not one of them. Did you hear me? We're not one of them. I believe God wants to do something powerful today. I don't know what it is. I snuck a peek at her notes. They look all right. But God doesn't care about her notes. The Holy Spirit is going to do something powerful. And I'm honored that my wife gets to speak today. I love you. So, Father, shift our hearts. If there's any blockages right now where, oh, man, I don't know if I can even listen today. Let's just get rid of the blockages. Father, we got stuff going on. It doesn't matter. Let's get rid of the stuff. Let's get rid of the stuff. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your word. We want it to penetrate deep into our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come on, we welcome you to come into this place, to have your way, and to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen. Bring it. Bring it. Okay, I was so wrecked by worship. I'm having a hard time standing up. For so many weeks now, I've just been thinking about the name of Jesus. And how powerful it is. The name of Yeshua, you know. And uh, for so many weeks during worship, I've been just declaring the name of Jesus into the atmosphere. And it just seems like the more I do that, the more wrecked I am by who he is. So the title of this sermon is Finding Beauty and How to Be a Revolutionary. (laughs) How do you like that? Oh, man. I've been discovering something that those two are connected. That um, when you find beauty, when you encounter the beauty of Jesus, you are revolutionized, and you become a revolutionary in this day and in this age. So uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 27, verse four. But this is what it says. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. So before I started declaring the name of Yeshua during worship and in, in sort of my atmosphere, maybe it's been about a month, maybe two months, I don't know, God meets me in the middle of worship here at Community Church. And he says, do you notice something, Jen? You used to, a fundamental stance that you used to have is, I will trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. And when I say that, I don't mean about him, I mean about humans. And then he said, and did you notice that now it's more, once you earn my trust, I will trust you. And it was like, what? Oh, that's a shift. And it wasn't like he was exposing sin in my heart. It wasn't like he was ringing an alarm bell. It was just like, huh. And uh, the next thing that he said was, subtly, that could turn to cynicism and criticism. Just so you know. Um, and, and you know, I'm not arguing one sort of stance or the other because both extremes are not super healthy. You know, like, I will trust you implicitly. I don't know you, but I'll give my life over to you. I've just met you. That's not so healthy. And also, my heart is so closed off to you, it would take a lot for you to ever earn my trust. Both those stances are not healthy. So here God is sort of saying, just notice it. So as I'm sitting in worship, sort of chewing on this, all of a sudden I'm just like, oh my gosh, uh, I need to be really careful here. You know, I, I uh, for those of you who don't know me, hello, hello. Um, I, uh, as well as partnering with Chris in leadership here at the church, I'm also a therapist who specializes in trauma, and we run um, a center upstairs, actually, a holistic mental health care center, and I'm the director of that too. So I spend a lot of time sitting with people, a lot of time sitting with people in really hard places. I hear a lot of stories that are really hard. I hear about the worst parts of humanity. And I started thinking about how this posture of I, you will need to earn my trust before I will trust you could get really unhealthy when I'm sitting with people who are telling me their stories of darkness. Because when you go headlong into the darkness after people, when you dive into the really deep, ugly, dark places with people, your heart has to be right. It has to be whole. If it isn't, it's like the blind leading the blind, the drowning trying to rescue the drowning, right? So here the Lord is saying to me, just notice this. Just notice the, the, the shift that's happened, the turn that's happened, and let's talk about it. So I'm sitting there in worship, I'm starting to feel this. It's like, what happened? How did I fundamentally change? And he said to me, 
It doesn't matter. I can tell you how to fix it. And so I said, how? And he said, find beauty. See beauty everywhere. Find it. Go after it. Chase it down. And it was sort of like this invitation if my heart would say, yes, I will go after beauty, then God was willing to peel the scales off my eyes. So I've been on this journey of what does it look like for me to seek out beauty? And at first, this might start off a little maybe shallow, like on surface level, but it's going to go really deep really fast. <laughs> and, and so I would ask, just prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts to just like taste and see that he's good on the shallow levels so that you're so enriched and prepared to go deep because we're going to go there. So, so I start seeking after beauty and it starts with like in worship, I'm watching the kids and they're so beautiful. And I'm at home and I'm washing the dishes and I can see the oranges in, in the sky. And I'm on a walk and I love how um, there's like frost on the ground. And, and then it starts turning into like, oh my gosh, watching her fight for her healing is so beautiful. And, um, oh my gosh, my cats are so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't resist. They are so beautiful. Have you ever met them? No, you should meet them. Okay, anyway, moving on. Oh. So, all of a sudden, over the course of this time, I'm discovering that fixing my eyes on beauty becomes this kind of healing balm to me. Because I need that, hey? when I spend so much time with the brokenness of humanity, my own heart hurts after a while. And it's been hard. You know, I think about Israel and Palestine and Ukraine and Russia, and it's hard. But beauty is just this bomb, and it's this reflection of God being present. Emmanuel, God with us. He's still beautiful. There's still beauty in the world. He's, he's still active and alive and present, you know. And I wrote down here, seeing the brokenness of humanity, the sinfulness of humanity, can begin to turn our eyes onto it. And it slowly, subtly becomes our narrative for humanity. And ultimately, if we're not careful, it becomes our narrative about the Lord. So then it becomes a revolutionary act to turn our focus, our gaze, from the things that are hard and ugly and unfinished and sinful and dark, the grit of this world, and to find God's beauty in the same place, side by side, always there, always, always side by side. The hard, the beauty. The ugly, the beauty the sinfulness, the beauty, the darkness, the beauty, the grit, the beauty. It's always side by side. I want to read to you from Psalm 19. Oh, David, he's so precious, isn't he? 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is deprived of its warmth. This is beautiful because when, when we are battling with the darkness, when we're seeing how hard it is, when we're seeing how ugly it is, there's this testament to the beauty of God, the glory of God, the truth of God, the fullness of God is in his handiworks, is in his creation. And so every time that you encounter creation, you have the opportunity to encounter the beauty of God. Doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what's happening you have an opportunity to witness the glory of God. So Apostle Paul, he's another good, good one. I like him. He, he says in, in Romans one uh, twenty, and guess what? I know what version it is. It's New Living Translation this time. But I gotta take a drink. For ever since the world was created, I said Romans 1.20, right? Look at you guys. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's not just about non-Christians. I have no excuse for not knowing God in the dark places. I have no excuse for not seeing God, not seeing his beauty. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. So, for me, I had to keep it simple at first, like I say. I had to bless the beauty of the sunrise, I had to look at the frost on the window pane, the smiles of my friends. And, and then this message starts coming to me about God's beauty is chasing me down. N not just that <laughs> I gotta go find it, not just that I gotta keep my eyes open to it, but that, oh man, his beauty is chasing me down. Everywhere I go, it's running after me. And that started to kind of blow me away because it was like, oh man, you know what happens. We spend enough time looking at the darkness and you know, we start to wonder if he loves us. We start to wonder if we're safe. We start to wonder if others love us. We start to wonder if we're lovable. We start to wonder if we can love. And now, opening my eyes to beauty 
and, and recognizing it all around me, I'm finding that it just chased me down. It wasn't just sitting there hoping I'd show up and notice. Like I did my hair today, I hope he notices. It's like I will recklessly, passionately chase you down until I've caught you and overtaken you and blown you away. So I start sort of taking in this whole idea if that beauty's chasing me down. Whew. And I come across this song by Toby Mac. And uh, he's a, a Christian performing artist. And uh, I just love him. Five kids. He's been in the industry for a long time. And his son overdoses on fentanyl and dies. And I remember when I first heard about it, oh man, it was, I don't know why, I was so broken. I just felt so bad for him. Maybe because I have family members that have overdosed on fentanyl and died as well. I don't know. But it was just like, God, this is the worst. It just sucks. And I come up upon this song that he wrote after his son died. I'm going to read it to you. It's been a long year. It almost took me down. I swear, life was so good. I'm not so sure we knew what we had. I'll never be the same man. I'll never feel like I felt before. It's been a hard year. almost took me down. But... When my world broke into pieces, you were there faithfully. When I cried out to you, Jesus, you made a way for me. I may never be the same man, but I'm a man who still believes when I cried out to you, Jesus, you were there faithfully. I've had a hard time finding the blue in the skies above. If I'm keeping it real, I've been half faking the happy they see. I may look like the same man, but I'm half the man I was. It's been a hard year. It almost took me down. But when my world broke into pieces, you were there faithfully. When I cried out to you, Jesus, you made a way for me. I may never be the same man, but I'm a man who still believes when I cried out to you, Jesus, you were there faithfully. In my darkest hour, you met me. You chased me down. He didn't say that, but I'm saying it. So quietly, so gently, you said you'd never leave. And you stood by your word, quietly, gently. In all my pain, you met me. You said you'd never leave me. And you stood by your word. And for me, in this journey of seeking beauty and being chased down by it, I read this song and I think, he knows beauty and it chased him down. And there wasn't a place too dark that beauty couldn't find him. There wasn't a place so hard that beauty couldn't reach him. And he declared it. Beauty chases us down.
Oh, Psalm 27, 13 through 14. And I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So there's this idea that we are finding beauty and that beauty is chasing us down. And then he challenges me and he says, find beauty in others. And this is where we're gonna go really deep. So in conflict, the enemy is gonna attempt to revert your perception of others from them being created in the image of God to a threat, ugly, unlovable. And, and we can lose the image of Christ in the forefront of our minds about people. And this is the birthplace of cynicism, apathy, bitterness. This is the place where we have turned away from the beauty of the Lord. And you know, it happens. We fight with people, people hurt us, we hurt others. Israel and Palestine, Russia and Ukraine, etc. And all of a sudden, our narrative about people, our perception of people changes. But I have to keep asking myself this question over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm gonna ask it to you now. Is Jesus beautiful? Is he? Why? Why is he beautiful? You know, as you think on, on the answer to that question, why do you know Jesus is beautiful? Then my next question would be, if others are made in the image of Jesus, are they beautiful? And if they aren't beautiful to you, why? You know, th this is just as hard as going into the dark places with people and going, I need to find beauty. You know, like when I'm in a fight with Chris, that threatened part of me is, is, is really instinctual about figuring out why he's the threat. It's not looking for him as Christ bearer and how my image of Christ can come into agreement with his image of Christ. Do you know that Chris's name actually means Christ bearer? I can't, I can't get away with anything, I'm telling you. Uh, I, I was doing my devotions the other day. And this statement uh, just wrecked me. Seeing the face of God changes how I see the face of others. So uh, I'm thinking that this challenge that the Lord has given me to 
find beauty, to seek beauty, to be chased down by his beauty, to encounter beauty, and then to go to that deep place of seeing the beauty in others, seeing them as the image of God, and chasing that down, going after that, is not just for me, it's for you. And, and, and maybe it's between you and a spouse, maybe it's between you and a child, maybe it's between you and a coworker. Maybe it's how you look at Justin Trudeau. Seriously. Or Palestine. Or Russia. Or your, uh, the unlovables in your life. But you know, first, before we do that, we have to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus and be transformed by it. Do you know what started happening as I was finding the beauty in things and seeing the beauty in others and seeking the beauty of Jesus was that my heart started to turn. I don't think I'm in the same position I was however many months ago when he first came to me standing right there and he said, hey, guess what? I just wanted to tell you this is what I notice about you. Something's happening to me. I'm changing. And I think it's because I'm finding Jesus everywhere. There is no place that's threatening. There is no place that's dark. There is no person that's ugly if you find Jesus there. And so the way that we make Jesus familiar to us is to look on his beauty, remember his beauty, and meditate on it day and night. So I've been doing that. And it's cool. It's really beautiful. But I want us to practice that, actually, for a few minutes. Five minutes, to be exact, because we timed it. So I'm just going to invite Diana and Andrew to come up. I think it's really important so we can sit and we can listen to the word, and it can be like, man, that was good and then walk away. And, and sometimes we can be in these spaces and it's like, oh, oh, I can feel something. God is actually, there's an ask for me. Or I, uh, I need to respond to this. And I, I just felt like we need to create space to be able to do that today. So what I want to do, I got to grab another mic here, hold on. What I want to do is we've practiced a song here. And uh, instead of you just sitting and watching us as if we're performing something, just consider it space for you to respond to what just happened for you 
as you listen to the word of the Lord. And secondly, what I'd like you to do is to practice looking on the beauty of Jesus and rehearsing it, being transformed by it, and translating that into how you're gonna relate to others moving forward from here. So as we sing, close your eyes, read the word, repent, turn, take in, be moved, but don't not engage. Because remember, God's beauty's here, it's chasing you down, and we don't wanna miss this opportunity. This could change our lives. It could, it could change our lives, if we want it to. So we're gonna practice that as, as we sing this song, as we do this song. So just prepare your hearts. I just feel real reverence in the room. I don't know if you can feel that. I feel like it's one of the moments where sometimes we're waiting for the preacher to say the right thing now. But I feel like the Holy Spirit is just wanting to minister to your hearts. Because he can do that. And I feel like some of you, it's been a dark season. And he wants to shift that. He wants us to see things a little bit differently. I stand here today and I can say that my darkest moments were probably my most amazing moments. Because they led me to an encounter with the Father that transformed my life today. I was thinking of this song that she was talking about by Toby Mack and Again, I was away this week in Montreal and I was just talking with Di before the service. And one of the speakers was speaking to the leaders about one of the things that actually derails us. And maybe some of us kind of feel this way today, is that in our lives we all kind of thought we were going a certain direction, a certain path. This is where we thought we were going. This is where we thought God was telling us we were going. We were 100%, this is where our life was gonna be. But for some reason, we find ourselves way over here. And for some of us, I think it's, we don't even know how we got over here. See, in that moment Toby Mack had, that's a life-altering moment. And the life-altering moments that each of us have had in this room are the moments where we're either derailed and we're where we're not necessarily supposed to be. They're the moments that are probably most pivotal in our faith. Because we can be in church for the next 20 or 30 years, but we're derailed. Our hearts are broken. There's a sorrow that's taken over. 
I don't know if any of you feel like that's your journey that I'm supposed to be there, but I'm over here. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. And this is a full message and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but I'm going to say this. Is Father God, I pray right now for broken hearts to be healed. God, that where we can't see the beauty that Jen's talking about, it's so cloudy, it's so murky. We live the Christian life, we come to church, we do the right things, but it's dark and it's murky when you leave and it's scary and there's so many questions. God, I pray right now, just supernaturally, begin to heal the broken hearts. I'm telling you, this is a pivotal moment, and the Holy Spirit is here in this room right now. I mean, we just went through this as leaders, because as leaders, we're not going to the places we should be, because we ourselves have broken hearts that we have not attended to. We've sugarcoated. We've spiritualized it, but I'm asking you if, if there's something in you that says, I know I'm supposed to be there, but I'm so far over there, I'm gonna challenge you with this. Just begin to ask God right now, Father, where I was derailed, where my heart was busted, where my heart was broken, because let me tell you this, Jesus understands a broken heart he died for your broken hearts to be healed. And he wants you to see the beauty of what he's done. And it is beautiful. Let's stand to our feet for a minute. I'm just gonna ask you to put your hands on your hearts. I'm telling you, nobody's exempt from this. This is all of us, this is me. I see areas in my life where I realize I operate and I function a certain way because I was broken somewhere along the line and my heart is a little achy and I've protected myself. But I feel like God's saying for my church to go where I want it to go, I need the hearts of the people healed. I need the hearts of the people restored. I need the hearts of the people in a place where they're excited about their faith, about their life, about their journey with Jesus. So Father, I pray right now for each heart, for each person in this room. God, those broken hearts, God, right now we pray, Jesus, heal, heal. Some don't even know where it's broken. Don't even know where it came from. Jesus is saying, I died for that thing to be healed. I want it healed. Father, right now, begin to show each of us those moments where we were derailed, where we were sidetracked, where we went just off course, where we allowed the pain to dictate where we're at today. We're in a location we shouldn't be. And today you're saying, I want to change that. I want to change that. Don't give up. Don't do it. I can heal that heart. I can shift it. I don't care if you're 70. I don't care if you're 15. I'm watching you. I'm looking at you. I want to heal it. I want to touch it. But I'm going to ask you to do something. He's going to say this. I want you to want that.
So reach out your hands to me. Call on my name. Ask me. And I will show you. And beauty will arise in the midst of the darkness. Jesus. Just take 30 seconds. Call on his name. I can't do this for you. This is where you do it. Jesus. Show us. Heal us. Restore us. Do you feel the presence of God in the room? Like I just feel his presence in here right now. And if you don't, this is the next thing I just want to pray on. If your heart has been hardened, God, I pray right now, soften that heart. God, if the heart has been hardened in any way or form, soften the heart, Lord. You know if your heart's been hardened. You feel it. You've walked in this. You see it. You know it. He doesn't want it to stay there. God, heal that heart. Heal that heart. I'm going to tell you, if your heart's been hardened, don't stay in that place alone. Please don't. I'm going to ask you to find. This is where, again, at the beginning I said, we do this together. This is where the family, God, we do this together. No one should have to stay there. No one should have to stay there. So don't do it on your own. Heal the hearts, Jesus. Heal the hearts. Can we say amen? I want to I thank you, body, because I, I, I understand when we go to these places of intimacy, it's not easy, is it? I mean, we just went into, I just spit. That's disgusting. I spit on myself. Now I derailed myself. You see how it works? We just went into our closets at church. The stuff that we don't want to necessarily show everybody. We don't necessarily want to talk about it. But the church is called to be vulnerable. The church is called to be real. This is the stuff that if we get free from. Oh, it's a game changer. Not just for you. He doesn't end there. For our community, for our culture, for our province, for our nation, because when we get free, we're going to bring that freedom to everybody around us. Amen? Come on, that deserves a clap. When we get free, we're going to bring it to everybody around us. That's the call. So, God, we step in. Come on, take that step. We step into the freedom. We step into that freedom. We will not let it hold us hostage anymore. We step into it. When I leave, I'm not going back into it. I am breaking free. I am running from it. I am never going back into it. Whether it's over your mind, your heart, your body, your family, do not go back into it. Woo! I just want to stay here, and I know you guys are like, it's probably time to go home, but this is just like a family moment. If this is your first time, 
Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church, where our heart's desire is to become family, where eventually we can talk about the things that are hard to talk about. But I'll tell you this, we love you. We are thankful for you. And today, I don't want anybody leaving if you got something going on. So God, again, heal the broken hearts. For those with needs, right now, they came specifically today because you have a need. And you're saying, I, I had to come to church because I got a need. I'm barely functioning. I'm, I'm barely making it. He is, sees you right now. Whether you're young or old, he sees you right now. If you're struggling with connections and friendships, fitting in, he sees you right now. And he's saying, none of you are going home without me touching you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Some of you, that's not easy to hear. That is what the Father is saying to you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I died for you. I died for your heart. I died for your pain right now. I died for that. So God bless each one as they go this week. May we encounter you more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Amen.